I'm Everett Crutchfield. And I'm Chase Brandon. And we will be talking about the effects violent video games have on the players that play them. We will begin by talking about the perceived negative effects violent video games have on players and then continuing from there. In particular, psychologists are worried whenever the violent video games target the pleasure part of the human brain. Whenever you're playing a violent video game, typically one must commit violent crimes in order to win in the video game. Um, winning is typically associated with a release of dopamine, which is a pleasure chemical in the human brain. So the main concern is whenever dopamine is being released due to violent acts. To further show this point, we have an article by Psychology Today that quotes, in fact, violent video games have an even more powerful influence than violent television and movies, whose detrimental effects have been documented for decades. Along with that, the player who's playing the violent video games practices violent behavior hundreds, if not thousands of times, much more practice than normal activities receive. And thus, this may trigger the dopamine release into the brain. This re-release of dopamine multitudes of times leads to violent acts in video games no longer being associated with disgust and discomfort, but rather with pleasure. As a result, psychologists are worried that violent video games are desensitizing the youth and general public to extreme levels, even to the point where they are no longer phased by violent crimes in real life. Furthermore, this research on how video games affect the human brain is very well documented and published many times in multiple studies by professionals in this given field. To further add credibility to our podcast, we interviewed a psychologist at Lee College named Nicole Krizetz about her opinion on this matter. Well, I don't, I'm concerned about violence mm -hmm. in the video games. I, I'm concerned, the main concern I have is that, you know, when you shoot somebody in the video game and you kill them, like mm -hmm. you win, you get rewarded for that. And so we know that rewards cause your brain to release a neurotransmitter called dopamine. Mm -hmm. So when you shoot somebody or something and you kill them, you get this little drip in your brain of dopamine, which is a chemical that we call the pleasure chemical. It makes you like want to do it again. And so I think what you can end up doing is training people to feel this great reward from doing what I consider to be bad things. Mm -hmm. um, same thing happens when you, you know, pull the slot machine handle and you win a, ja you know, a jackpot, you get that dopamine release in your brain. So shooting and killing somebody in a video game is the same as somebody pulling a, mm -hmm. uh, pulling a handle on a slot machine, which... You know, we know that, that gambling can be addictive for that reason. It's mm -hmm. the same chemical that's released when you use cocaine or drink alcohol or any drug. Anything that can be, tip, you know, anything that is addictive causes you to release dopamine. That's why it's addictive. Same thing with sex. Uh -huh. You know, people, when you have sex, it feels good because it releases the dopamine. Mm -hmm. So people can get addicted to that too. So, I mean, that's... I'm, I'm now reading about some virtual reality stuff that's right. kind of in that direction <laughs> that also is making me really question, you know, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. So I do have major concerns about it, but primarily for that reason. However, it is important to note that not all negative press on video games is true. 
For instance, an article by MotherJones.com explains how the gunman for the Sandy Hook shooting was said to play video games. What the media failed to mention was that the game he favored and played the most was a game in which the player dances to popular songs, Dance Dance Revolution. Obviously, this game is not in any way violent. As a result, it's apparent this fact was only brought up to blame violent video games for violent crimes. This was most likely done to push an agenda showing video games in a bad light. However, it would be unfair to not mention the bias that the opposition shows in this situation. In an article by the Washington Post, a graph is included showing gun-related murders per 100,000 versus video game spending per capita. In this graph, it is shown that there is a negative correlation between gun-related murders and video game spending per capita. To the average reader, this is evidence for a lack of causation, but correlation does not equal causation. Essentially, there is no evidence for video games not leading to violent crimes, and this article insinuates that there is. To further prove our point, we searched the database at our local college for the article titled, For Video Games, Bad News is Good News, News Reporting of Violent Video Game Studies. In this article, we found the following quote. Poor quality studies which tended to highlight negative findings also received more citations than scholarly sources, end quote. This could mean that worse sources are chosen by scholars with the point of pushing a political or social agenda. I asked psychology professor Nicole Corzetz about her thought process on how data can be manipulated in this way. She brought up an excellent analogy to our argument on correlations. It's a correlational, and that's the problem. Um, so the example I give is um, eating ice cream is highly is statistically positively correlated with drowning. Mm -hmm. So when you hear that, you think, oh, God, if I eat ice cream, I'm going to drown. Don't eat ice cream before you swim because you will drown. But that's right. not it at all. The factor is that they share something in common. And that it's that the time of year when we eat ice cream is the same time of year when we swim. Right. So in August, yeah, a lot of people eat ice cream. And in August, yeah, a lot of people drown. But they don't have anything to do with each other. What we can take away from this whole portion is that both sides of the fence are incredibly biased. As the reader, in order to remain informed, one must look at this information from a point of objectivity. It's important to note that this information can still be of use. Lies are based on truth, and one can unlock the truth behind statements by looking at said statements from different perspectives. By asking what one has to gain from an argument, someone can become much more informed on the situation. For instance, by asking what the Washington Post has to gain from making their graph, somebody can actually take the useful information used to make the graph and incorporate it into their argument. If we look at studies in their inconclusiveness, the main factor for us not being able to find real solutions and connections is due to the unethical, immoral practices that we cannot do in typical studies. Usually, to quantify something, you'd want to see how the person you're studying reacts to whatever you're trying to put them through. But you cannot give a person a gun or a knife or a deadly weapon of any kind and ask them to use it on another person to quantify what you're trying to show. Simply immoral and unethical. We talked to psychology professor Nicole Corzetz and she reiterated our point. Here's what she has to say can't go out and do research and then cause somebody to become violent and then you know then you have this person that's you know violent you can't do that's unethical so um that's why we'll never have the answer to it because mm -hmm. that's the only way you can prove it 
Another important aspect to this whole situation is the role of the parent. Especially in a kid's youth, the role of the parent is incredibly important. While a kid is still a child, they are much more susceptible to the influence a violent video game can have. There are already old studies that show children are very impressionable. For example, the Bobo doll experiment that retains merit to this day demonstrates violent tendencies in children exposed to violent acts. In games like Grand Theft Auto, the players are exposed to super violent acts. This can leave the impressionable child more prone to violent acts in real life. A parent can help in this situation pre by preventing exposure to extremely violent video games, such as the Grand Theft Auto series, until the later years. Furthermore, we know one should wait until the later years due to how the brain is developed. When speaking to psychology professor Corzetz on this subject, she offered valuable insight. We know the brain, the frontal lobe, is the part of your brain that determines decision making and impulsivity. And it also allows you to try to control your emotions that come from another part of your brain, a brain um, called the limbic system. And there's a part of your brain called the amygdala, which is the part that um, is tied to our aggressive behaviors. And you, your frontal lobe needs to be developed and connected enough to tamp down that amygdala to say, no, that's not how we resolve problems. That's not the best idea. And so if that part of your brain is not fully matured and it's not fully connected with the other parts, you're, you're, we can't expect people to not be impulsive, to not go out and do the most rash sort of reaction. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have a lot of evidence that that part of your brain is not completely connected and developed until probably they say your mid-twenties. In conclusion, taking what we've talked about on bias and ethics, the data is inconclusive. Two sources, one from Kotaku and another from ChristopherJFerguson.com, explain that there is no concise answer. One reason is that there are too many polar opposite sources to come to a sound and sturdy conclusion. Secondly, it would be impossible to conduct a 100% unbiased experiment due to the unethical complications that said experiment would pose. As a result, we may never know if violence in video games has an effect on violent crimes in real life.